0: Ride Report, a podcast from, from the Master, Master Executive, Executive Council, Council of JetBlue Alpha for the Union Pilots of JetBlue. Now from New York, Ride Report.
1: Hello, fellow JetBlue Alpha pilots. Welcome to episode two of Ride Report. Today we're here to discuss LOA 12 implementation, and the second part of our episode will be on central air safety and their corresponding updates for the pilot group. As always, we thank you for your time, as well as your engagement. In addition to continuing to listen to this podcast, hopefully you're able to make use of the many other digital resources that are available to you through B6ALPA and the JetBlue Alpha YouTube channels on YouTube. And of course, P2P committee representatives are always available out on the line to help you stay informed or to clarify a question. I'm your P2P Vice Chairman, Tim Coombs, hosting today. We're here once again to discuss current events within the association and affecting our pilot group. Joining us today, we have MEC Vice Chairman Wayne Scales. Later in the episode, we'll also be joined by some of our subject matter experts. We'll have negotiating Chairman Reese Van via the phone as well as Central Air Safety Committee Chairman Blake Kelly via the phone. Wayne, I'll open it up to you first. Maybe you can just give the uh, the listeners a general update as to what's been going on uh, recently since our last episode, as well as some of the items that might be on the agenda here in the near term.
0: Thanks, Tim. It's great to be here today. And uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to Ride Report, staying engaged with their union. Staying up to date on the latest information going on. Certainly a busy time in our industry. Uh, There's a lot going on, as you all know, with this uh, downturn due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. As we all know, there's a a lot of uh, war notices uh, out to pilots throughout the industry. And uh, certainly difficult times that we're trying to navigate our way through as an MEC. We're still conducting business as an MEC, uh, meeting regularly. And we will continue to do so as we stay engaged with the industry landscape. Your MEC is going to have a regular meeting uh, coming up on September 15th through 17th. That'll be out in Southern California. We do put the details in every weekly update, and we typically communicate the agenda within a few days of the meeting. Of course, we always highly encourage all active members in good standing to attend and take the opportunity to watch your union conduct business. We'll continue to communicate future MEC meetings uh, as they come up and as we get into 2021. Another topic your MEC has been highly engaged on, the conversation of landing currency and qualification, which we've seen a a number of PDRs surrounding. Our training committee and our Central Air Safety Committee put out an important communication recently that I want to highlight. Our MEC chairman, Chris Kenny and I went down to join Todd Lysak and John Sulphusberg, our training committee chair and vice chair, and Blake Kelly, our central air safety committee chair, and met with them and management regarding training issues that our pilots are currently exposed to. Since then, management has committed to correcting deficiencies within OSC. But when you have a training event, we want to highly encourage you to ask questions about what you're doing and what it involves. Ask the question of OSC scheduling, send a PDR to your training committee, but please ask. We've been adamant that we don't want these deficiencies leading to a pilot being exposed to a Jeopardy event that he or she shouldn't have. We also don't want them flying without OE when they should have had it. And we definitely don't want them being given the incorrect training course. These are all things that we've seen. We are definitely concerned about it. And if you see it, we're asking you to submit an ASAP. You can reach out to your committees and they'll help you through that process. All you have to do is reach out. Another thing that the MECs had uh, going on, Tim, is that uh, we had a special meeting via video conference on uh, August 25th, and that meeting had two agenda items. Uh, The first one was pretty straightforward. It was uh, simply to establish the meeting dates and locations for regular MEC meetings in 2021 which was required uh, by our policy manual to do in advance of the uh, vacation bid for 2021. The second agenda item involved a uh, request for the company to give relief from the CBA to move the bidding timeline. The request from the company was to move the bidding timeline for five days. So essentially, it would open on the 5th of the month and move everything, the bid windows, the bid closing, all that. It would move it all five days uh, associated with that. Uh, as, As we've shown over the last several months, we've been very effective in working with management in what are obviously very challenging times in our industry. And we've been able to find solutions that effectively are equitable to both the pilots and the company. Ultimately, the the MEC reviewed this and your elected representatives uh, did vote unanimously to uh, not approve this request by management. System bid results are going to be coming out soon. Please continue to stay engaged with your uh, union emails. September 7th is the deadline for that. And when they do come out, we're going to be communicating a lot. So be sure to read your union emails. We're going to be talking about uh, contractual rights and how to exercise them whether it's moving expenses or days off associated with a move, uh, what happens with your vacation, how prior claim works. There's going to be a lot of information coming out surrounding those items. So please continue to read your union emails.
1: Good summary there, Wayne. I think there's certainly an abundance of uh, information and changes that could be coming for uh, some people. Now, I heard you talk about training dates. With respect to maybe how the order of training works. Can you touch on that a little bit? Or how is that determined what kind of factors might influence the order in which pilots are trained for a system bid award?
0: Sure. So there's going to be different awards. Uh, There's going to be vacancy awards, voluntary displacement awards, and involuntary displacement awards. And the CBA references the order uh, of training based on the type of award. So for vacancies, it'll be that the training is done in seniority order. And when you move over to voluntary displacements, again, you'll see that training is done in seniority order. But for involuntary displacements, it's going to be inverse seniority order.
1: Now, of course, we have the remaining implementation of LOA-12, which is generally coming in the October 1st timeframe with the start of the October bid period. As a reminder, LOA-12 was negotiated for furlough mitigation, and that's located in the CBA along with all of the other LOAs and MOUs. At this point, we'll turn over to Reese Van, negotiating committee chairman, for some of the associated questions uh, for our listeners. Uh, first of all, welcome to the podcast, Reese. Maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about yourself as well as uh, the new negotiating committee.
2: Hey, Tim. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, Reese Van. I've been here uh, at Jeff Lou for uh, right at about six years. Uh, I have a, uh, a grievance background for my uh, Alpha volunteer work, and uh, most recently before. Joining the Negotiating Committee was the Agreements Committee Vice Chair. Uh, on the committee with me, we have uh, Tommy Young and Greg Gardner. Uh, Tommy was the uh, Scheduling Committee Vice Chair uh, before joining uh, the first Negotiating Committee, and uh, now we have him here on the second one. Uh, Greg comes from uh, ExpressJet, where he was on the Negotiating Committee there. And uh, before that was uh, flew in the Navy and uh, then entered the uh, financial world for a bit before coming back to the airline.
1: LOA-12. First of all, for those pilots listening, the names are obvious, but can you just briefly describe, Reese, the difference between a letter of agreement, an LOA as we call it, and a memorandum of understanding or MOU?
2: In general, an MOU is uh, something that'll be entered into uh, between Alpha and the company to uh, clarify express the understanding of what uh, language within the CBA uh, means or what the intent is. And, uh, and the LOA is uh, something that the two parties will enter into that uh, maybe amends or establishes new language uh, that's already within the CBA.
1: Okay, great. Now, before we get into the weeds on some of the changes we'll be seeing in October, I wanna just touch briefly on the uh, domestic commercial agreement with American. Can we clarify what the time frame is for this domestic commercial agreement? I mean, how long will it last? Because I think there's some misconception out on the line that this is concurrent with the length of some of the other provisions within the LOA. How long is this forecast to last for?
2: So uh, all the commercial agreements that uh, the company enters into are all uh, confidential. Um, so I can't speak to how long the uh, commercial agreement is that they have entered into. However, uh, what we gave relief to the company uh, for was to be able to enter into this commercial agreement and so uh, the the time frame that we gave them was from uh, the date of signing until uh, April 30th and that was just to enter into the commercial agreement with American Airlines uh, the commercial agreement can extend beyond that uh, as long as it complies with the other, uh, paragraphs there within section
1: one. Now, digging a little deeper into LOA 12, the key provision of no furlough is through April 30th of 2021, and that's already in effect. That provision will remain in effect regardless of whether or not the proposed commercial agreement receives its necessary regulatory approvals. But we also have these other changes slated to implement. We've got things like non seniority list pilot flying restrictions that come in September, and then a number of other items that we'll implement in the October bid period barring a snapback last through the April 2021 bid period. Reese, can you just briefly summarize for the listeners some of these changes that we'll be seeing uh, come uh, the October timeframe?
2: Uh, as you stated uh, first, I'd like to say the uh, the no furlough uh, clause was our, our number one priority there. And uh, like you said, regardless of how uh, the, out, the outcome of the uh, JetBlue and American Code Share Agreement uh, we we were able to capture that uh, no furloughs for any reason prior to uh, April 30th. As far as the changes that you'll see uh, uh, in your uh, everyday uh, line pilot's life, uh, the ALV uh, will go from uh, 74 down to uh, anywhere from zero to 70 uh, in the range. There, uh, you will see uh, the uh, number of days off for. Uh, reserves and instructors increase, uh, by two, uh, for the chart, uh, there that's in the CDA. And, uh, the minimum monthly guarantee will change for, uh, reserves and, uh, instructors. That'll go from, uh, 90 down to 80 for instructors and, uh, mm-hmm. 75 down to 70 for, uh, reserves. It will stay at 70 for wine holders, uh, even though, uh, the AOV will change, uh, what you'll see is a, uh, a guarantee or a GAR um, uh, sliver placed on your line to make up the difference. So, um, not to go into too much detail now, but if you have a 30-hour line, uh, you'll you'll see 30 hours of flying and a 40-hour uh, guarantee sliver placed there on your line, and all adjustments will be off that 70 hours. Some of the other things we changed: the uh, high time reserve came down to 70 to coincide with the uh, guarantee. And uh, the C-91 flying uh, will go away, uh, with the exception of test flight. Uh, but there will be uh, no more C-91 flying. Uh, that will all be done by line pilot, seniority list line pilot.
1: Now, Reese, backing up to, the, to the, some of the ALV changes for line holders, uh, you mentioned uh, 30 hours of flying would yield you a 40-hour guarantee uh, in Rainmaker to get you up to 70 hours. Uh, that stays there, right? Just like a vacation credit would if, let's say, a 35-hour vacation would stay there and, and be paid above any other credits you receive for the month. This guarantee code is, is, is very similar, correct? I mean, if you make trades, if you if you add pairings, that's, that's going to be on top of that guarantee credit, correct?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Any change that you make uh, to your uh, schedule throughout the month will be uh, in relation to that Seventy hours. Also, in LOA twelve, we can now drop your line down to uh, zero if you wanted to. And so, uh, in that scenario, like you said, if you had thirty hours of flying scheduled for the month, uh, you would see a forty hour of uh, of guarantee pay. And uh, if you dropped every single day of uh, flying, you'd still see the forty hours of pay. And uh, on the other end of that, you know, if you added a ten hour pairing on top of your thirty hours of flying, at that point. You would see that ten hours added to your uh, seventy-hour uh, guarantee there, so you get eighty hours.
1: Okay, thanks, Reese. And I think I also saw in there uh, that the reserves uh, are now permitted to drop uh, all the way down to zero, uh, and I guess it's line holders as well. Correct? You can drop down to zero during the adjustment windows.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you'll be there's no limit on uh, how how much you can drop. Technically, it won't be down to uh, zero just because they're uh, there will be a little bit of uh guarantee left on both sides, but but yes, you can drop uh, every single working day if you want to.
1: Now, I understand this is a limited change, right? Can you tell us a little bit about the snapback provision that is in the LOA?
2: The CBA will, uh, all the provisions here in LOA 12 will snap back to the uh, uh, CBA language on uh, May 1st. Uh, we also wanted a trigger in there in case the flying resumed, you know, quicker than uh, anybody had planned if, if the industry recovers. And so took a uh, an average and a percentage of the average of block flying that was scheduled for those months that LOA-12 will be in effect. And, and if we hit that block hour number, then uh, LOA-12 provisions will snap back to the CDA language.
0: Tim, if I can interject and talk a little bit about that early snapback provision and the roughly 78,000 uh, block hours that are required in order for that to take effect. The company is required to give us the planned block hours on the 25th of the planning month. So for October, for example, that is August 25th that they give us those planned block hours. And to kind of highlight the level of travel demand and and where it where it's at right now, the planned block hours submitted to the association uh, by the company for October was uh, 43,000. So pretty significant drop uh, from where we would be in a a non-COVID world. Hopefully that travel demand restores uh, quicker than anticipated. But as of right now, you know, 43,000 hours is a pretty uh, depressed level of flying.
1: Yeah, certainly some sobering statistics all across the industry and some negative events happening uh, each and every day. That's going to conclude our discussion on LOA-12 implementation. Reese Van, Negotiating Committee Chairman, thank you for your time today. Thank you for calling in. I'm sure we'll be seeing you on more podcasts here, uh, more episodes down the road in the future. So thanks, Reese. Thank you, Tim. You're listening to Ride Report. Back after this.
0: Ride Report. Coming September 17th, the first of three
1: rounds of Vacation 2021 bidding begins. As a reminder, all vacation bidding is accomplished using Flicka. Get ready. By reading up and getting information on vacation in the paid time off section 7B of our CBA. Vacation 2021, the first of three rounds of bidding begin
0: September 17th. Ride Report. Ride Report.
1: Uh, welcome back to Ride Report. I'm your host, Tim Coombs, uh, P2P Vice Chairman. On the second half of our episode, we're making our focus the uh, safety world. We have an update uh, from the Central Air Safety Committee Chairman, Blake Kelly, who's uh, coming to us over the phone. Uh, Blake, maybe you can just start by introducing yourself, talking a little bit about how big your committee is and what kind of uh, subcommittees you have uh, in Central Air Safety. Welcome.
3: Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Blake Kelly. I'm the Central Air Safety Committee Chairman, and I oversee... Uh, The Center of Safety Committee, which is made up of a collection of subcommittees, including ASAP, Fatigue, BOCLA, Environmental Standards, Accident Investigation, and 18 Airports. We have almost about 30 Alpha safety volunteers that work on behalf of our pilots.
1: Great. And uh, just out of curiosity, how did you become interested in becoming a JetBlue Alpha safety volunteer?
3: Well, early on in my pilot career, I kind of got fell into safety. In my previous role, I, uh, I worked at the embraer University while I was uh, getting my master's degree, and I was an instructor for them, and then became a training manager and assistant chief flight instructor. And then I was approached to be their director of safety, and I didn't know anything about safety at the time, but uh, after taking some formal training in that position, I kind of fell in love with it. And then I actually, prior to becoming a pilot, I actually was in the safety department, and I worked as a safety investigator, and then also as the manager of uh, JetBlue safety management system and implementing that. So I've always had a uh, affinity for safety. And then as I became a line pilot, wanted to engage and help out in the union and, and bring my safety uh, ex- experience and support.
1: Blake, can you give our listeners an idea of what central air safety does on a regular basis? What is, what is a daily routine like in the safety world?
3: Well, there's a lot that goes on every day on behalf of our pilots that the pilot group usually doesn't see. So as I mentioned, we have a, n- a number of safety uh, subcommittees of the Sanctuary States Committee that work on a variety of programs that the company has to support our pilots. So, for example, ASAP. So our pilots that are submitted ASAPs and those are being reviewed, we have volunteers that serve on the Pilot ASAP Event Review Committee that represent pilots uh, in that process. We also have a team of focal gatekeepers that work with the company on reviewing focal data that comes off the aircraft and do analyses. And then also can make contact to the pilot, to those volunteers, to kind of collect additional information of of what's going on. We also have representation with our ATC committee that works with airports and also our our brothers and sisters at NACA to work various issues. And then our environmental standards committee, which supports a number of initiatives, both with the company and in industry, working on cabin air quality. Uh, obviously with the, the COVID pandemic working in our hygiene and aircraft cleanliness, both in the flight deck and the cabin. And of course, our accident investigation committee, which, which stands at the ready for any possibility of if we ever had a serious incident or accident that would require Alpha to launch representation to support either an NTSB or international accident. So we're constantly working and very busy every day. And then, uh, obviously in real time, we support any events or issues that pop up from the safety issue either from pilots to PDR PDRs to us or reaching out to our committee or from the company. Is
1: that, is that it? Is that all you do, Blake? <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's a couple of things I missed, but uh, <laughs> it's
2: a lot of work.
1: Absolutely. Well, that sure is a, a lengthy list of things that you guys do uh, on a regular basis. Uh, safety, a uh, number one priority, obviously, and there's just a ton of work that goes into that. In the first half of our discussion, our, our pilots listening to this episode came to learn the difference between what an LOA is and what an MOU is technically defined. Uh, Specific to Central Air Safety, what kind of LOAs are signed with management or maybe discussions about LOAs? Can you give us any idea of what kind of agreements ALPA has with the company with respect to safety?
3: Sure. We do have a few safety uh, items that are covered in our CBA. For example, if you look in uh, Section uh, 26A, there's a couple things about recording devices and and use of of, uh, data off-recorders. And then we also have an LOA that is in our CBA that pilots can go see is our fatigue LOA, and it governs our, our fatigue program, especially how a pilot can call up fatigue and how pay is determined. But unfortunately, that's, that's all we have. And then we also have an MOU, probably uh, given this episode, not the typical MOU that you've been talking about that the just the company and the association have, but an MOU around ASAP, and that's an, that's an agreement between the FAA, the company, and the association and how ASAP will run. Currently, that's all we have actual agreed upon with the company. Uh, and we're looking to achieve a more comprehensive safety LOA across a broad scope of program uh, with the company.
1: Where would you say we compare with respect to the rest of the industry? Do other properties have agreements with their management?
3: Yes. Yeah, so we, we actually, before uh, really getting into deep discussions with the company, did a comprehensive look across the industry. And when you look at all, all, all the major carriers, they have contractual language either in an LOA, most of them it's in an LOA, but like, for example, United has a a dedicated chapter in their CBA to safety. We've looked at all those and see how we compare. And obviously one of the glaring issues is that we do not have a a comprehensive LOA on a lot of these aspects, basically contractual language with the company. And so we've, we've kind of looked across the industry looked at best practices and things that we'd like to see here at JetBlue that we think would work. And those are what we're uh, discussing right now actually as a company to secure an LOA.
1: Can you discuss maybe what, what uh, would be some of the benefits of any future LOA? What are some of the top priorities?
3: I kind of start out high level of what would be the benefit to uh, the pilot group. And, and first is we want an effective safety program, right? So as we've seen with the pandemic, you know, it, we need confidence up in the public to want to fly uh, on our airline or any airline. And so... That's always an issue or concern that we have is we want to make sure we're a safe airline. If we were to have a serious incident or accident, that can not, not only have a huge impact on JetBlue's business, but have a huge impact on the industry. So we want a effective safety program. What does it mean to have an effective safety program? Is It's a partnership with management and their employers. And we want to make sure that the voice of the pilot is involved in, in safety decisions, at least providing input, making sure that when we put in reports or we, we allow the company to collect safety related data. That data is taken seriously and incorporated into the safety management of the airline. So that's the huge benefit is when we look at other airlines, they have these programs and they work very effectively. And we've, we've had concerns here at Jeff So by having this way, we have a, a more effective safety program. And that means, you know, there's a, that applies to job security for our pilots. As far as individual benefits, there's a couple priorities that we're focused on. And that is to make sure that the pilots' involvement in these safety programs are adequately treated and protected when they participate in these programs and they're they're promoted to participate in these programs. Obviously, if a pilot is not treated fairly or if their data is misused, no pilot's going to want to participate in that program. And so we want to make sure that there's some guardrails and some expectations established both on the company association side of how these programs are managed so that we don't see those kind of issues happen with the pilots.
1: Now, Blake, are there any safety programs that would benefit more from an LOA?
3: Well, we're actually looking to, to benefit all the safety programs that we're involved in. So this this LOA's discussions have crossed all of the voluntary programs that JetBlue utilizes, for example, ASAP, BOCLA, LOSA. We also are looking to try to get more involved in the company's safety management system, which is essentially how the airline systematically manages risk safety risk across the airline, we want to get more involved in that and be involved. And just general improvements on recognizing the central or safety committee with management and working together to address safety issues as they arise. So we're looking across the board at all those uh, areas of improvement. So there'll be benefits across all the safety programs if we're successful in this LOA.
1: Are there any other highlights that you'd like to touch on uh, that the association is pursuing in these discussions for an LOA?
3: Sure, there's some, some key priorities that the association is, uh, is bringing into discussions with the company. One is the aspect of, like I mentioned before, having a positive safety culture or making sure that pilots are supported in, in engaging in this program. When a co- when you talk about positive safety culture, one of the key aspects is making sure we have something called a trust culture, which is a term maybe not all pilots are, are familiar with, but as we maybe have done our SMS training and our, via QDL, it's about having a, system, both investigatory and discipline, how the company manages that. And the company has a safety and security and compliance policy that any of us can go look at in the manual and see the front page. Management is committed that they will not take disciplinary action against the pilot as long as we're forthcoming and cooperative in a, in a safety investigation. Uh, unless that is determined to be reckless behavior or at risk, uh, repetitive at risk behavior. This is something that the management team has, has committed to, yet we sometimes have a hard, hard time seeing it being performed in practice. And so seeing what other airlines have is that they kind of implement this whole just culture idea within ASAP. And we want to make sure we make the ASAP ERC more robust in addressing how reports that come in, that there's an opportunity to investigate it by a non-biased party. And try to correct the issue within ASAP, which is using non-disciplinary related corrective action. Instead of trying to go after pilots and in that discipline, then that's not maybe the most effective way to address a safety issue. So that's a big concept that in in theory is very easy to agree to, but in practice we have we haven't seen that done properly by management. So we are trying to work on creating a better process and trying to get tools that we can agree to that would allow us to address this within ASAP. That's a very key priority. And then another one is just protecting our safety data, protecting all the data that we provide, making sure it's not misused by the company. And that includes even the uh, sources of data our aircraft when we operate them.
1: Great, thanks Blake. And you know, as we close out this second episode of Ride Report, uh, is there any kind of central message or, uh, or closing statement you'd like to make on behalf of Central Air Safety to our pilots especially during this pandemic?
3: Absolutely, Tim. Fly safe. I know that's harder to do than ever before, given the current environment. As pilots, we're under a great deal amount of stress than usual. Stress about the financial situation in our personal lives with the company, stress with our lifestyles at home. Obviously, the operating environment is very unique. Some of us haven't flown in, in a long time before we go fly or before we go to training. So it's just important that pilots recognize that and try to take as much self-care as they can. Utilize the IMSAFE checklist before you go fly. And utilize the resources available from your JetBlue MEC via the various pilot systems we have. It's important that than ever to make sure that we do our job as safely as possible.
1: Well, thanks again, Blake, for, for calling in today. I know you keep a busy schedule. You're actually out on a pairing right now. So thanks for taking time out of your schedule. That's all for this episode of Ride Report. We hope to see you on a future episode.
0: Ride Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue ALPA for the union pilots of JetBlue.